that Jesus changes everything, um, say that with me. Jesus changes everything. One more time. Jesus changes everything. And I want to take us to an account in Luke's gospel to the two men who are traveling on the road to Emmaus. And I really want to talk to you this morning about how Jesus restores hope. How Jesus restores hope. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the examples in scripture that we have, the accounts of your encounters with men and women and young people and children and what we can learn from it and this encounter on this road to Emmaus. Lord, I pray that there'll be some principles, some lessons we can learn, some encouragement we can receive, that Lord, as we continue on this journey called life, that we'll understand and know that you don't leave us, you haven't forsaken us, you're still there, you're still wanting to walk with us and talk with us and reveal yourself to us in so many ways. So let your word speak to us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have you ever noticed that some of the saddest words in our language begin with the letter D? For example, disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, despondency, depression, despair, death. Disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, despair, all of these words sum up how Cleopas and his companion were feeling as they walked on the road towards Emmaus. Let's read it, shall we, in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, starting at verse 13, and we're going to read right down to verse 35. It'll be on the screen. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, when it says that very day, the day that the women went to the tomb and found it empty, encountered that visitation of the angel of the Lord, that day, these two, they'd heard the news of the resurrection, they, you know, and, but that day, they're on this little seven-mile trek. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. It came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. And it's almost like these two guys are walking on the road and they're talking. And then this stranger comes and he said, What are you guys talking about? And then they return and they, they, they talk to Jesus. And I don't know doesn't really tell us what their attitude was, but I can almost imagine them saying to Jesus, where have you been? I mean, you know, what planet did you just step off of? I mean, don't you know? Aren't you aware of all the talk and everything that's been happening? And notice what, what they says. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? Incredible. And they said to him, Well, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word, in, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. 
but we. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, it's the third day since these things happened. And also some women among us amazed us when they went They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now, here's here's Jesus. They don't recognize him at this point, and he begins to give them a historical biblical lesson, going all the way back, painting for them this picture of what was about or what had just happened happened and they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he would go farther and they urged him saying stay with us for it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over and he went in to stay with them and it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it he began giving it to them And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen. And has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. They had left the city downhearted, confused, band of disciples who were afraid and bewildered over what had happened to Jesus on the Friday and all through the weekend. And these two men, as they traveled along, they're sad and they're disillusioned and they're disappointed. And the master they had loved and followed had been horribly put to death. And we know the story. A cruel and degrading death on a cross. And Jesus had been made a very public spectacle, exposed to the jeers of all those who passed by. And only a week before, their hopes had risen to a fever pitch when the, early, when the excited crowds welcomed their master, waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna. And now Jesus was dead in a tomb. And yet now the body didn't disappear, but their hopes were dashed. Their dream was over. Remember those times when your hopes seemed dashed? When your dreams... Had- what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. It may be one of those D words. It was a very easy word, easy emotion for you to slip into as you thought about that disappointment. That maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a business deal. Maybe it could be 
so many things. And it seemed like hope was gone. Even the report of the women that Christ's tomb was empty, even that didn't raise their spirits. It only seemed to confuse them even more. And the two, these two despondent disciples walking the road to Emmaus, they summed up the situation very neatly when they said to Jesus, we'd hoped, we'd hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. Remember that time when you said to yourself or maybe your spouse or a friend, I hoped, I really hoped I was going to win the lottery. No, no. I, I hoped, I thought that was going to work out. I hoped that investment was going to return for me. I hoped. And even in asking you the question, I'm sure that many of you in this room are going back to that exact moment. I hoped. Maybe there was disappointment. Maybe there was disillusionment. Maybe there was confusion to a point of, oh, I hoped. I hoped. And maybe you're in that situation this morning. I hoped. Doesn't seem to be happening the way I hoped. Human hope is a fragile thing. And when it withers, it's difficult to revive. It's so difficult. And we need to note, there's a huge number of people all around the world who take their own life because despair and discouragement and suck the last bit of hope out of their lives. Scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you lose hope. Sometimes it's so hard to, to carry on. When someone you love and you care for is overtaken by a serious illness which goes on and on, Despair can set in and it almost becomes impossible to hope for recovery. You may even be afraid to hope because you believe that you couldn't hope. You, couldn't, you can't hope because you couldn't cope with another, another letdown. In our district, we have uh, Al Downey, who is in charge of pastoral care and travels all over the district, him and his wife visiting with credential holders, etc. And his wife was diagnosed with a certain kind of cancer a number of years ago now. And I just read the other day on, on her Facebook page that and she had a picture of the last pill of all of her treatments. And I know in talking with them, they were... It wasn't just some kind of a fleeting hope, and they had a belief and a, and a steadfastness in what God was doing to bring healing and restoration in her body. Maybe you're in a situation where you're just kind of hanging on by a thread. Oh, God, I know your word, and I, but it's seemingly too much. I want to tell you this morning, the Lord has a word for you. 
The Lord wants to come along and walk alongside you, and he wants to begin to speak his word from his word into your life, and he wants you to experience that same burning conviction, passion within you that he is alive. He's not left us alone. Whatever your circumstance is, I want to encourage you this morning. They said we had hoped. Cleopas and his friend, they said that, but really what they were saying is we don't expect it now, but once we did, we had high hopes for the future, but now those hopes are gone and all we have left is disappointment. Can you identify with that at all? All we have is disappointment. For each of us, the cause of feeling down might be different, but it would be a rare person indeed who could claim that they were not affected by any of those D words of disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, depression, despondency, or despair. And as the two men walked along in our story, this stranger joins them. Now we know from Scripture that it was Jesus. This was going to be the most significant walk in their whole life. This is going to be a life changer for them. And the stranger asked them what they're discussing. And so they poured out their story to someone who seemed willing to listen. They tell the stranger all about their hopes and their disappointments. And the last thing they needed was really a brisk cheer up. Or being told to snap out of it. You ever had a conversation like that and you're sharing your heart with somebody about some discouragement or some disappointment? Yeah, don't worry, just snap out of it. And really what you want to do at that point, you just kind of want to slap them in Jesus' name into reality. Jesus wasn't there to give them some little cheap cliche or some off-the-cuff remark. He was there to reveal to them what the Scriptures were saying. And Friends, sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside with us and just maybe not any opinion, not any advice, just read to us a Scripture. Maybe that's what God might want you to do. When you come across somebody who's down and despondent and in despair and discouragement and, and God has laid a scripture on your heart and you just come alongside and you begin to share with them what the word says and allow the word of God to burn by the power of the Holy Spirit in their being. God's word is so powerful. We know it, we say it, we sing it, we believe it. But let's practice the power of the word through our lives. And so, Cleopas and his friend, they're talking about the cross, their bewilderment, their sorrow, and Jesus reassures them and helps them. How did he do it? He points them to the scriptures. Does Jesus explain to them? what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. Jesus must have given these Emmaus travelers the best ever lesson on the Old Testament, reminding them how sin came into the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve and how the prophets foreshadowed a Savior who would be obedient even to the point of death. 
He may have reminded them of Abraham, how he almost sacrificed his son, and how the Heavenly Father did sacrifice his son for the sins of all the people. No doubt he would have referred to Isaiah's description of the suffering Christ, who says, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed by our iniquities in Isaiah chapter 53. It's not that these men hadn't read the scriptures, but their understanding was clouded by the idea that the Messiah would come and in glory and power, and he would rain down fire on their enemies. He would destroy these Roman tormentors. And it didn't happen. The two-hour walk to Emmaus must have seemed like five minutes. And the two disciples could feel the despondency and sorrow they felt in their hearts begin to change and, and understanding and hope as this stranger explained that Jesus' death was a part of God's great plan of salvation. And when disillusionment and depression and defeat dominate our lives, Jesus walks with us just as he walked with these two men on the road to Emmaus. And he points us to the word of God. He points us to the promises in the Bible that tell us again that we are God's loved children. He loves you. In your moment of despair and discouragement, He wants to come alongside and say, it's going to be okay. Because I've experienced everything you could ever experience. And what you're facing this morning, what you're facing last week or this next week, I want you to know with every bit of passion in my heart that he says he loves you. And he loves me. And he just wants to walk alongside and share with us the power of his word. Are you spending time daily in his word, walking with him and allowing him to speak to you and encourage you and empower you and strengthen you? Allow his word by the power of the Holy Spirit to burn conviction and, and steadfastness into your own spirit. I'm encouraged. I'm so, I'm so challenged and blessed by our sister at the back who suffered for years and years and years. And I used to kid her and say she has her, with her her dancing partner, Oxygen Tank. And sister, your faith never wavered. That I saw. Never. That's such an encouragement. As you're on the the road to wherever. The times you told me how Jesus just assured you. And your husband had been through no less stuff and how he'd tell me how God was faithful. I say, wow. I can learn from people like that. And we all have our road that we're walking. These two were on the road to Emmaus. Some of you are on the road to, and you fill in the blank. But I want to tell you this, you're not on the road to destruction. And he will stand by us through the thick and thin, and he turns our despair into hope. And the two disciples, they ask the stranger, to stop with them for the night. 
and have an evening meal with them. Now, you understand in their custom and ours too that in a sense when you're developing, you're building a relationship and you have a friend, there's something significant about sharing a meal. In their culture, it was hugely significant to share a meal. Because when you shared a meal with somebody, it's like you were acknowledging a friendship, a relationship. And so they invite Jesus in for this meal. And notice what happens. He took the bread. He said the blessing. He broke the bread and gave it to them. And suddenly it dawned on them who the stranger was. I don't know why God kept them from recognizing him at first. But have you ever walked along and you wondered where God was? God, I don't recognize you in this circumstance. I can't see you. And God brings a friend or a spouse or someone to speak into you, and all of a sudden, you see Jesus in that person. Are you willing to be the Jesus in somebody else's time of traveling on a particular road? Are you willing to be that person who says, Lord, when my, hit, my feet hit the floor this, this morning as I'm getting up, please, I just want to be a vessel in your hands. I just want to be the one who is walking along the road with somebody and revealing to them the character and nature of the Jesus that I serve and love. Or maybe it's, Lord, please, I want to see you. Open my eyes to see you in, my, in the midst of what I'm going through. See, the stories and the accounts in Scripture weren't written there just for a nice bedtime Bible story. They're there to illustrate to us the principles and purposes and things of our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus, and the presence of His Holy Spirit in our lives. And now their world had come together when they, I can imagine, you know, now they knew why a change had come over them as they walked. Now they knew why their despondent hearts had been changed to hearts filled with hope and renewed faith. Jesus had revealed himself to them in his word and through the breaking of bread. I can imagine Cleopas and his friends standing in amazement, perhaps embracing with great joy, and they're jumping and dancing and saying, wasn't it, wasn't it like a fire burning in us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Did you feel that convicted? Did you feel the power of his word? Did you feel that? Their despair and despondency all of a sudden now is transferred into, into a renewed hope and a strength, which, as we'll see, transforms and changes their life. Their world has finally come back together. They had experienced something of the grace of God because of his love for his despondent disciples. Graciously, Jesus, he came and met them on the road to Emmaus, and graciously, he 
cleared away the fog of confusion and he showed to them the heart of God. If there's one thing that should happen when believers get together is we should be able to see the heart of God. I don't know where you are in life this morning, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you have not invited him into your life, if you have not said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to speak to Please, will you walk with me in this journey on the road that I'm on? I encourage you to make that decision today. He loves you. And he will reveal himself to you through his word. He wants to show you how much he cares about your circumstance, your situation. Because the definition of who he is is the word love. That's who he is. Not in our convoluted description of what love may or may not be like, but perfect, perfect love. He was alive. He's risen from the dead. And at the moment the stranger reveals who he was, he vanishes like, boom, he's gone. But friends, he wasn't gone. He's still visible to you and I through eyes of faith. You've seen the hand of God working. You've seen how God has met needs in your life. He's brought healing. You've seen the results of his presence. And he's not disappeared. He's not gone. He's still visible through eyes of faith. The road to Emmaus is really a symbol of the Christian life. This story is about ordinary despair ordinary Monday morning blues or whatever you want to call them. It's a story about meeting a stranger, hearing his words of comfort and strength and sitting down at the table and sharing a meal. And this story enables us to see that the risen Lord gives hope and joy when all that we seem to see is disappointment, discouragement, and despair. It enables us to see the world is not a place of death, decay, and defeat, but it's a place waiting groaning toward God's final victorious day when he says, okay, Jesus, okay, Gabriel, blow the trumpet. It's time to bring him home. And that day is coming. Now, we don't have to live in all the D's. We experience them, but we don't have to live there because Jesus wants to come and bring you hope. The change that has been described or a change that took place in them has been described by, I read it somewhere and there was no author to give credit to, but this is what it said. Their lives prior to this moment were like a smoldering fire that gives no light. Just smoke to cloud things up. But once they came into the presence of the risen Lord, their hearts were ablaze. A burning fire gives light for all to see. And they saw, they understood, and, and they believed. All because of the risen Lord. Jesus' victory became their restoring hope. You can tweet that one. Jesus' victory is our restoring hope. Calm down, Lord. He restores our hope. 
Jesus restoring their hope now became the anchor of their lives. And this story about the walk to Emmaus is a story of everyday life in 2018. If you're walking the Emmaus Road right now, or when you walk it in the future with those sad Ds of disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, despondency, depression, and despair, let's remember, we're not walking alone. We're not walking alone. The unseen stranger, the risen Jesus Christ, is walking with us. Christ is risen from the dead. It's not a message that we only sing on Easter Sunday. He has risen from the dead. He is the Savior and the hope of the world. And when our Emmaus Road is filled with discouragement and despair, we need to walk it with Jesus. And walking with Jesus, our road will become a highway of companionship, conversation, belief, and hope. It will. If I could summarize this morning in a few phrases, I would do it this way. Friends, Jesus seeks you. While I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. It seems like he's always looking for you. He's looking to be involved in your life. He's looking to transform our thinking. He's looking for an occasion to bring us hope. Scripture says he's, they're going to and fro in the earth, seeking the enemy, seeking whom he can devour. Jesus said, I'm going ahead of you. I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm your rear guard. I'm your best friend. Friend, I vote for Jesus. He seeks you. Although his disciples knew who Jesus was, they didn't recognize him. They knew a lot about him. And maybe you know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you haven't asked him to be the Lord of your life. Events had not hurt, turned out as they expected. They had a preconceived idea of who Jesus was, what he would come and do, and how he should do it. And when things didn't turn out, they thought they, the way they thought they should, they, they dismissed the whole thing as mere failure, misplaced hope and trust. I've heard people who said they've, they've asked God, he didn't answer prayer, he didn't do it the way things they expected, and, and they just threw in the towel on their relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, if any of those D's are bringing you to the point of thinking, I don't know about this Christian life. I, I'm, I think I'll just throw in the towel. Those are some thoughts the enemy's bringing your way. I want to tell you, you're here with a divine appointment with the Spirit of God to speak to your heart and your life 
and say, listen, you may not have recognized him, but Jesus has never left your side. Never. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. David said, though his family would throw him aside, God would never throw him aside. He cares so much about you. Yes, sometimes events don't happen the way we, we hoped. But God always has a plan, and we're not always privy to all of his plan. And when things don't turn out the way we expect, instead of giving up and instead of admitting defeat, perhaps we would be wise to see things differently, to see that maybe God is up to something we simply do not yet understand. Paul said we see as through a glass darkly. We don't understand everything. Just because they knew about Jesus does not mean they knew him. Just because they could see him does not mean that they could see who he was. Many people today, they know who Jesus is. They've heard about him. They read about him. They use his name and may even claim to know him. But they would not recognize him if they saw him. Their eyes haven't been opened. Knowing about him and knowing him are two different things. The Apostle Paul prayed, let the eyes of their understanding be opened. I pray, oh God, help us to see you in all of the circumstances of life. Because if we can see you, we know we're going to make it. I pray this morning that whatever you're going through, that you'll recognize Jesus. Then Jesus opened their eyes. Jesus seeks us. He opens our eyes. And thirdly, he reveals himself to us. And it's only as they had fellowship with Jesus that he disclosed himself to them. Friends, if you're not, let me reword that. As we have fellowship with Jesus, prayer, reading his word, taking time to listen, talk with him, it's in those moments that he'll reveal himself to you. If your habit pattern is your feet hit the floor and you're off and running, hoping Jesus might catch up to you, it's in a relationship that he reveals himself to you. It's in a relationship with your spouse or your kids or your family or your friends. It's in that relationship that you understand more about them and what's going on between your lies. But if you're always on the run, it's hard for him to reveal himself to us. It's not without significance that it's around the supper table that the disciples' eyes are opened and they see Jesus for who he really is. And when they recognized him, poof, he's gone. Fellowship with Jesus was not going to depend on their ability to see him but rather upon their taking him at his word. Remember when Jesus said to Doubting Thomas, see my hand, see my side. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Faith comes in, and sometimes in the circumstances of life, I want to tell you, sometimes it's hard to see Jesus, amen? It's hard to feel the presence of God. 
Sometimes it's even hard to say, Jesus, I believe you're here. But the more you begin to fellowship and the relationship and read his word and pray and speak to him, he begins to reveal himself more and more that in the midst of whatever you're facing, I remember sitting at the side of my brother's bed as his life was ebbing away. I wasn't there when he actually died, but and we were talking about the things of the Lord. It was like Jesus was right there. I don't know why he didn't heal my brother. But as if we weren't believing. And please don't come and tell me you didn't have enough faith. I will. No, I won't. We don't always understand the plan of Jesus. But they're sitting with my brother. He's laying there, hardly can breathe. And much as he can, his strength, we're talking about the Lord. He's talk, talking about his missions trips and how people's lives have changed and like there was an unseen presence. I know you've experienced it. Come on, you have. Charlie, you've experienced that. Julie, Judy, you've experienced that. Many in here, I can say, have you experienced that in your hands that go up? The unseen presence out of a relationship with Jesus Christ and he's there. He's there. And he's here this morning. He reveals himself. And lastly, this is where I think there's some practicality that we can apply to our lives. Jesus revealed himself to these two. And then he disappeared. They had to take it then by faith. And there was other appearances of Jesus before his ascension, but it was from that point on, there was something that trans transpired in their life to change them from men walking with no hope to men now with hope on a mission as they went to share who Jesus was. The purpose, one of the purposes of Jesus revealing himself to us in our moments of despair, in our moments of discouragement, in the times when we, we want to give up, he wants to reveal himself to us that he might give us a message and a mission to tell this world that is so often without hope. I know a Jesus. I know a Savior who, yes, they killed him. He died on a cross and he was buried in a tomb. But I know a Savior who rose on the third day. I know a Savior who wants to give you hope. I know a Jesus who wants to take away your sin. I know a Jesus who wants to walk with you. And friend, this morning, I know a Jesus who wants to give you hope. Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel like discouraged and despair? Wes, will you come? I don't know what you're going to sing or play, but team, come.
I know what Jesus is saying. He wants to restore your hope. Who wants to renew and rekindle your faith. Who maybe who wants to ignite your life where you feel a burning conviction inside that yes, this is the Jesus that's been dealing with my life and he's the one I want to surrender my life to today. And his name is Jesus. Is that you? Is that the one that you want to acknowledge today and say, Jesus, I felt some of those D words. But I want to ask you, give me hope. If that's you, no messing around here this morning, just Wes is going to play or sing something, so appreciate that, Wes. You want someone to pray with you? We'd love to pray with you. I don't have answers. I don't have solutions to big problems. All I can give you is Jesus. Just Jesus. Will you come and let us pray with you while Wes plays or sings something. Let me just pray and then, Father, I know you're speaking hearts here today. and I know you're speaking to my heart. Reveal yourself because you love us. Reveal yourself, I ask. That's you. You want prayer? Why don't you just stand up? Come up here. I just want to let you know He does care. He does care. I'll stay here and pray as long as it takes. As long as it takes. Thanks, Wes.
Friends, I, I thank God for what he's doing. And um, one of the things I believe is so true about Northwest Family Church is that we're family. We're family. And I just want to have a family meeting with members or those who have come in for some time now and you say, I'm... I'm this is my home, whatever. And uh, so I just want to have a family meeting with with um, you folks, but we're going to dismiss the service and coffee, whatever, you visit and share. So maybe in a, in a few minutes, whatever, we'll, I just want to share some things from my heart with you. And, and um, um, yeah, so it's kind of a family discussion. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make it, have his face to shine. Oh, man, I just pray God's face would shine on you. Just like, let the glory of God just fill you. And let his peace fill your life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless you. You that are here for maybe the first time or